This is the Horse Radio Network. This is episode four of Retired Racehorse Radio on the Horse Radio Network, brought to you by Kentucky Performance Products, Riding Warehouse, and Smooth Stride Jeans. Retired Racehorse Radio is your guide to the adoption, care, and training of the retired racehorse, brought to you in cooperation with the Thoroughbred Makeover and New Vocations. On this week's episode, we take you to the largest and most prominent thoroughbred auction house in the world to learn about racehorse sales. We go down under to chat with Australia's Travis Dowdle about his unique way of training his racehorses. The legendary Lindsay Partridge joins us as our RRP Spotlight Rider. And of course, stay tuned for our New Vocations Winner's Circle Adoptable Horse of the Week. You're not going to want to miss this. And they're off on Retired Racehorse Radio, the podcast that is your guide to the adoption, care, and training of the retired racehorse. This is Jamie Jennings in Norman, Oklahoma. And this is Joy Hills from Kalamazoo, Michigan, and you're listening to Retired Racehorse Radio. Now, we have had a busy week. I had a foal. I had a baby. I had a baby, not you myself. I had a baby. I had a baby. Yes, my my brood mare has had her last foal, um, and so I got a new little colt that is. Oh my gosh! I thought human babies kept you up at night. My God, I haven't slept in days, and I'm um, taking care of the baby and riding the horses, and it's finally starting to have some nice weather here in Norman, Oklahoma, which is where I just moved to from Phoenix. So I'm learning what weather changes are uh, and seasons. <laughs> and then you had a very interesting thing happen with your horses and yeah. uh, you had, I, you, you had them red. So yes, I had an animal communicator out, which was kind of fun and exciting, a little controversial, I know, but um, so it was called focused heart massage therapy, LLC. Um, and the girl's name is Anise. I never met her. She's never met me. And we did it all over the phone, which is kind of weird, but it was a lot of fun. So I had her read my horses and I won't go through the whole thing because it's a half hour long, but she got my horses on point. And I was very shady about this whole thing. I didn't want any chance that she could be a cyber sleuth and just kind of guess and tell from what the things I post. So I gave her a fake name, a fake email, everything. It was just nice. I was very paranoid. Yeah. I, I just wanted to test her, you know, I'm like either she's the best cyber sleuth in America and probably works for the CIA or she might have a gift. Who knows? So what did she say about your thoroughbred? Your off-the-track thoroughbred? So she said she was mad at me. <laughs> oh, which, my gosh. <laughs> but it's, it was I believed it. So she was upset because she felt jealous because we got a new horse in January. And she felt that she wasn't uh, being appreciated for who she is because she's fabulous and we're best friends on like this cosmic level. Um, <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, that sounds like my horse. Like, and oh, I thought that was you saying that. <laughs> oh no. This is, what she, saying that. this is what she said about my horse that she said, um, my horse says we're best friends on a cosmic level, like that it's more than best friends. And I was just like, wow. Oh yeah. Yeah. She's my heart horse. I would definitely say that. She's like, you don't even understand what she says. It's like, Oh, okay. Yeah. Tell, well, tell all right. Me. And I was like, she is a fiery chestnut mare, but it's, it was interesting because my horse just had her eighth birthday this year. Um, she's still very teenagery, and she definitely had like your teenage social media drama voice. If you listen to horses in the morning, you'll know when she was 
like she kind of went into that uh, voice mode when she was telling me this, just, "Uh, well, you don't listen to me anymore. And we just don't spend enough time together. And I feel like you're just not putting full effort into this relationship. And I was like, I didn't know I was married to my horse, but here we are. (laughs) No pressure. I ended up throwing her a little birthday party to show her that she was special. So she got her favorite treats, little organic uh, carrot cake cookies. And uh, she had her little back birthday hat. And she got her pictures taken because she likes having her picture taken. And so I hope she feels special. I hope we're on the mend. It was a fun time. <laughs> your relationship with your off-the-track thoroughbred is on the mend. I it's love on it. on the mend. <laughs> well, that's really cool. I mean, whether you believe it or not, it's still entertaining. So Absolutely. whether it's true or not, you paid for some entertainment. By God, the horse got a party out of it. So I know. Guess it's you a good time. Bought. I don't feel like money was lost. <laughs> <laughs> well, hey, in continuing our effort to educate our listeners on and ourselves, on the life and times of an off-the-track thoroughbred. You know, the first episode, we started with the history mm-hmm. of the thoroughbred. And then we went to kind of picking about how they're bred and the foaling and all that. Now, this episode, kind of the next place that an off uh, a thoroughbred goes is to market, is to the sales. Most of them do. So, you know, some people do breed and keep their own horses, but we've learned that most of it is you know, for the money, people, people breed and raise these horses and they get sold and they go to auctions. So we are going to talk to Chris McGahee and he works at Keeneland in the sales department. We're going to have Chris on to talk to him about the horses and the sales. Then you said, find me a RRP spotlight rider. And who did I find? Oh my gosh. Just like queen of it. The queen of RRP, (laughs) Lindsay Partridge. She's going to come on. And we've also got our new vocation, Winner's Circle Adoptable Horse of the Week, which I think you, your horse is going to be mad at you if you bring her home, but I'm not allowed to. That was told to me. Oh, <laughs> the, the cosmic universe. She told the, me your cosmic best friend, <laughs> but emotional hedge is our horse. And so we are going to do all of that. So stick around. She had waited all her life for this moment, dreaming about it since she was 10 years old. The trailer ramp touched the ground. He whinnied as she backed him out, swinging his head around to get a good look at his new home. His coat gleamed in the sun. Her love had arrived. She was breathless. He was beautiful. She could hardly wait to tack him up and start off on what she was sure would be the best times of her life. This love story is brought to you by Contribute, providing essential omega-3 fatty acids that help maintain low inflammation levels throughout your horse's body. The horse that matters to you matters to Kentucky Performance Products. Call 859-873-2974 or visit kppusa.com to order today. Well, I am very pleased to welcome to the show Chip McGahey. He is the Relationship Manager, Sales Associate at Keeneland. And what I wanted to talk to today is kind of the next step in the thoroughbred's life, which is something most every thoroughbred seems to go through, and that is the sales. So, Chip, welcome to the show. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Yeah, thanks for having me today. Um, Yeah, so... I obviously, I, I've grown up in the thoroughbred industry. My father is Shug McGahee, a trainer. My mother was a trainer. My uncle's a trainer. Um, I realized at that point that I did not want to be a trainer. So uh, <laughs> I, I lucked out. Actually, one of my first experiences 
out of uh, college and everything was doing the inaugural program that America's Best Racing put on um, with their brand ambassadors. What we did was we traveled across the United States to big racing events and tried to attract new, younger, millennial fans into the sport of thoroughbred racing. Mm-hmm. So I did that. And then after that, I was working with Cornette Marketing, Integrated Marketing Solutions here in Lexington, Kentucky, overseeing that brand ambassador program, all the marketing for America's Best Racing and Jockey Club, as well as the marketing for Keeneland Sales. And then luckily enough, in 2015, I was um, asked to join the Keeneland Sales team and I've been here ever since. Why would you want to leave? Do you drive into that beautiful facility every morning? Oh, yes. It's a, it's a very nice drive in, and we're about to get a lot luckier. It's about to get not a lot nicer with spring about to turn, and all the trees are about to have leaves, and we're about to start our April race meet. So, so I, I have to very tell good you, place to drive in every day. And I don't know if I've told the listeners this, too. I was a gallop girl at Keeneland. I used to gallop. Uh, baby racehorses at Keeneland for a bunch of different trainers when I was younger and crazier. And I think too, that you deciding that you didn't want the life of a trainer. I decided that I was not going to have the racetrack life either. I prefer to sit there in a nice dress and gamble is my favorite <laughs> thing. <laughs> Don't we all? Oh, the, the big ones are too strong for me, man. I was, I was, I was, you know, a hundred pounds soaking wet and 19 and stupid. So, <laughs> but you know what? Somebody's got to do it. Um, so anyways, so what I wanted to talk to you, we talked about the history of the racehorse. We've talked about, uh, breeding and foaling and kind of something else that happens is going to a sale. Now I've been fortunate enough to tour some of the bigger farms in Lexington. I lived there for many years and, and to tour the farms and to see what goes into the sales prep of these horses. It's not like your Saturday auction where you just show up and the horses are there for sale. Talk to us about what the horses go through to just even get prepped for the sale. Oh yeah. I mean, all summer, um, all, I mean, a lot of these farms, their whole livelihood is the commercial market. So every time they're planning their ratings and everything like that, they're thinking about being able to sell those progeny after the fact. So you kind of have three main options for selling those would be either selling as a weanling, a yearling, or as a two-year-old. Um, and there's multiple different avenues to do that. And like I said, I mean, if you're selling as a weanling, you're going to start pretty early uh, right after the full is born. And if it's a kind of a forward one, then you're going to make that decision to come to market as a weanling. But uh, a lot of times the biggest market is selling as a yearling. So over the summer, you'll start to prep them um, with how to walk and everything like that, just so that on that day that they go through the sales ring and the two days leading up for leading up to the sale that they're on the grounds, they're going to look the best and hopefully bring the most amount of money possible when they go through the ring. So you're saying that the, the yearlings are selling more. Is there a reason for that? It's just kind of, uh, I guess just that's historically when most people will buy the majority of their horses at auction, um, excluding broodmares, their racing stock will be um, through September uh, or just through yearling sales. 
So our September is our biggest sale. Our November sale trails right behind it, not by much, but the majority of racing stock will be purchased as a yearling. That's where kind of pin hooking comes in. Is a lot of people will have you heard of pin hooking joy? It's where people buy a a weanling and then sell it as a yearling to sometimes great success and to sometimes not. Yep. So that's uh, one very big facet of our industry is a lot of people will buy those weanlings in our November sale and then they'll wait that 10 months or so um, and then bring them back in September to resell. And then another big facet of it is a lot of people will pin hook yearlings and then bring them back the following spring right around now and sell them as two-year-olds. See, I didn't know anything about that. So I know nothing about thoroughbred <laughs> sales at all. So this is a whole new world for me. And so we know that Keeneland, though, is like the world's biggest horse auction out there. How many horses are you getting at these large sales? So our September sale will catalog 4,300 or so on average, just depends on the year. It'll dip down to 4,100 sometimes, sometimes even higher. But generally, that'll be kind of the number you'll catalog. Now you'll have a decent amount that'll scratch, but you'll still have a very large amount that'll go through the ring. So in general, for example, so last year, our 2018 auctions, we had three auctions. We had a January sale, which is a mixed sale. um, And then we had our September yearling sale and then our November breeding stock sale. So with those three auctions combined, we sold 6,800 horses for $620 million. Oh my gosh. Does that, the $620 million? Wow. That's that's a big number. So um, when they are going through the, I mean, so this gives you an idea of just exactly how much your horse has seen by the time you adopt it off the track. Uh, but you've got all these horses coming to all these different sales. I, let's say I'm a backyard breeder and I've got this really pretty colt and I'd like to run it through the Keeneland sale. Can just anybody bring their horse to Keeneland to sell it as a, obviously a thoroughbred? Of course. As long as you're a thoroughbred, you can uh, bring it to sell. Now there there will be stipulations in some in that if you haven't if you're a broodmare and you haven't gotten in full uh, for the past several years, then you'll need to have gotten in full before we'll we'll, we'll sell you. But if you have a yearling, um, you're more than welcome. It's a one thousand dollar entry fee, and after that, um, you're you're good to go to put it through the ring, and then let the market decide what its value is. And so I'm trying to get to talking about the different books. So say on day one, isn't that the, the, like kind of the best horses and then they trickle, trickle down through the days. That is. So one of the things that, um, we did, we adopted a long time ago was we take what we perceive to be the most valuable horses and place them at the beginning. And then the ones that we'll, we'll, cycle down until the horses itself for the least amount of money will sell at the end. That way, if you know that you're coming to buy a horse for about 500,000, you know that you need to come at the very beginning of the sale. And if you want to buy one for 5,000, then you'll come towards the end. That way with September being about two weeks long, you don't necessarily have to come for that entire two weeks in order to fill your order. So a lot of what we do, um, 
is and is the reason that we're as large as we are is we have a huge international market. So those clients don't necessarily need to come for those entire two weeks. They can come for three or four full days, get what they need because they know that's what the price range is going to be. And then they're able to go home after that. So the, the racehorse, the, the horse, they, the yearling has been prepped. And I, I'm trying to remember which farm I went to where they were, I think lanes and they're walking them up and down hills to like mm-hmm. get them muscled and fitness. And so they spend a lot of time leading with people and then they go to the sale. Now this is not just, you know, it's a very intense experience from what I remember of being there. And these horses are checked from tip to tail. Of course. So um, if you want to compare it, it would be similar to an NFL combine or NBA draft in that we have the catalog that has the pedigree, but that only tells part of the story. Once you get there in order to tell how it's going to be as a runner you're going to watch it walk. You're going to have your veterinarians look at it, um, look at the information that's in the repository to make sure there's nothing there that you don't like. And then you're going to assess its value. And then depending on how many other people are in there and how much they think it's worth, obviously the price uh, will be determined in the auction rate. But I mean, after all that, you're there for several days. You'll have as many people are interested, get you out of the stall and look at you for several days straight. And then, um, it's all over once it gets through the auction ring within 30 seconds to a minute, a minute and a half. Is it like the worst thing in the world to be the last horse sold at Keeneland in the yearling sales? Like, Oh, the loser who got last. No, not necessarily. It's all just, uh, so it's determined based on the alphabet of the dam's name. So, uh, that's, so we'll start, we may start on C and then every, um, every day those horses are going to start on, or every book that'll start on that letter. So you're not necessarily last in line per se. There's always going to be people there that are still looking to buy horses. Even when the last horse went through the ring this September, there were still probably 60 people in the back ring looking and waiting. They may not necessarily have been looking at that very last one, but they'll still be back there just because uh, they're there for the full experience. That's good. I would feel bad for that poor little <laughs> last horse. Like we deemed oh, him no, as the worst. <laughs> no, our whole goal is to find a home for everybody. So that's, awesome. uh, that's what sets Keeneland apart is that we're selling from the most expensive in the world to your everyday horse that everybody uh, that makes up the backbone of this industry. And you never know. I mean, uh, so what was it? Uh, Don't tell Sophia uh, only cost $1,000. That's the least amount that we'll sell a horse for. And she went on and was a great one winner at Keeneland. Oh my gosh. And later sold for over a million dollars. Oh, wow. (laughs) I like that you brought up though, that some of these are going to be great racers and some of them become your uh, backyard horse. So how many of them do actually go on to careers in the racetrack or do you guys not? keep track of oh that. no i mean i mean the majority would go on and race i, I didn't mm-hmm. mean backyard horse i'm more the backbone of the industry and in that okay. you may not be racing on the incredibly high levels of say keeneland or naira gulfstream those like those but i mean you'll be racing somewhere all these horses are bought to be uh to be racehorses and that's the reason they're bred is specifically mm-hmm. to go on and perform on the racetrack 
Well, Chip, this has been amazing. I know you have a Twitter. You are on Keeneland.com in the media directory there. And you're at Chip underscore McGahee. And it's just been awesome to talk to you. Thank you so much for talking to us. I really appreciate it. Educating us in the next step. Maybe we'll call your dad when we move to trainers. If you put in a good word for us. Perfect. No, I'd be happy to. Okay, fantastic. (laughs) All right. Thanks, Chip. Thanks, Chad. No problem. Thank you all. I really appreciate it. So if you guys have been loving our equestrian must-haves with Riding Warehouse, you're definitely going to be loving this awesome giveaway that they're putting together for us. So we partner with them and they are putting together the hashtag my OTTB story giveaway. It's going to be very easy to sign up because we want to hear about your adoption stories and your transformation stories with your off-the-track thoroughbred. So for this, super easy. You can either follow us on Instagram or Facebook, and you're going to have to make sure to follow all the participants for this. So it's going to be Retired Resource Radio, of course, Writing Warehouse, New Vocations, and the Retired Resource Project. So you have to follow all four of those. You're going to want to make sure to share a photo of your off-the-track thoroughbred and make sure to put in the description your transformation story. And don't forget to do the hashtag MyOTTBStory. We're excited to follow it. It's going live today on March 25th, and we'll be taking entries all the way through April 25th. We have some cool guest judges who will be deciding on it. Awesome prize package. So New Vocations and Retired Resource Project are donating a swag bag to this. And you'll also get a $100 gift card to Riding Warehouse. And with show season coming up, we know you can use it. So make sure that you enter today. It's going to be exciting. And just follow through for more updates on it. Well, I don't know if you guys checked out this amazing video from racing.com that kind of went viral. And it was like all these racehorses galloping through the woods and on the beach. Jamie, did you see this one? Oh my gosh, it's amazing. Oh my gosh. And the music. And I'm like, this is the movie that I want to be a part of. Well, I'm super excited because we got the trainer, uh, Travis Stoudel from that amazing video. And I'm so excited because he, I think he's like revolutionary in the way of training racehorses. Okay. Whatever. He's a hot Australian. Let's yes, be is. real. Why she's dreamy. <laughs> I mean, you're not in it for the training, be in it for the Australian. So it's going to be great <laughs> either way. Well, Travis, we saw your uh, viral video from racing.com. And I have to say that it's kind of refreshing to see your unique way of training And I have to ask, what made you break away from that traditional way of training your racehorses? Um, Well, to be honest, I I sort of came into it with pretty fresh eyes. I didn't come into racing um, from a family background. So I wasn't uh, conditioned to, um, you know, my grandfather doing it this way and then my father doing it that way. And then that's the way I have to do it. I sort of come in with pretty fresh eyes and... and, um, you know, looked. I just um, looked at it in a very broad sort of way, and and yeah, just sort of found my own way um, in racing. And um, you know, I went and worked for a lot of different people and did a lot of different things, and yeah, just sort of a bit of a loner, I guess. And I just sort of always forged my own way in life, and training was no different. So, did anyone think you were absolutely insane for taking your horses out on the beaches, through the trails? You know, not doing that steady Eddie. Uh, we're going to have the same routine every day, basically, type of way. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I've had, um, you know, a lot of people sort of not, and I, I guess it's, um, you know, people, a lot of people have thought that I've been crazy, uh, and some still do, but I think a lot of it is that people have never tried it, so they don't actually understand it. 
And, you know, like in a lot of uh, walks of life, people that don't understand things are often frightened of them. So rather than actually, um, you know, looking a bit more deeper into it, I think a lot of people just sort of say that's not that's not how it's done and, and that's the end of it. But, um, you know, there's, there's a lot of different ways to do things and get the same results um, or even better results by, you know, different approaches. Absolutely. So I guess I have to ask, what what made you decide just to take them out of, you know, just galloping on the racetrack or going in the walker? What was that moment you're like, I think I can use this for training? Um, I, I moved back um, to my hometown to sort of spend some time with my family. And um, we were about 800 metres away from the beach. So I built stables with my father on the beach. And um, I just sort of started using the, the beach and the sand hills as an alternative to the track. And, um, you know, I've never really been able to come back to the track and and you know every time that i've tried to do it that way it just the horses aren't as happy they don't do as well and you know i always just sort of revert back to my old ways of doing it like that you know the more natural sort of way of um of um training and uh, they love it and um i get better results so it's just almost impossible for me to go back to you know your stock standard way of training I think it's interesting that you mentioned the happiness of the horse. I think a lot of times when we think of racetrack runners, at least in America, we instantly think money, right? There's a lot of money. You always have a lot of foals. You have, and I'm going to be controversial. I'm going to get a lot of people angry in America, and I'm not apologizing for it. Um, That's <laughs> but, uh, you know, you're saying the happiness of the horse is what makes a winning horse. And so what kind of results have you been seeing with your training? Um. Well, for example, I bought a horse probably uh, in October, I think I got him. Um, I bought him for $3,000. He was pretty well, not on the scrap heap, but he'd been through a few different trainers. And, um, you know, he was probably on his last leg as far as, um, you know, the training side of Mm -hmm. it goes. Um, I'd say that I would have been his last trainer um, to have a go with him. But I bought him. I thought he he looked a nice horse. And I just sort of thought there was a few things wrong with him. you know, and, and bought him and he'd been sort of just worked around the tracks, you know, for the last five years of his life. And um, he's a nice big strong horse, but he was just quite sour and, and uh, bitter on life. Mm-hmm. Um, the first two weeks he was in my stables, he was upset, standing at the back of the stool, you know, just be a bit of a, a grouch. And, um, you know, probably after about a month, I think, we saw a, a real shift in his um, temperament and, um, you know, his willingness to work. Um, to the point where we, the first time I actually rode him in the forest, he jacked up and he wouldn't go through a creek. And it took me a long time just to get him out onto the trail and get him, get him actually going. Um, and now, you know, a few months later, he self-loads on the float, you know, because he knows he's going to the beach or the forest. And, you know, he just really loves life. He's, when you walk into the stable, he, he bounds over the gate. Um, you know, he wants his he wants his breakfast and then he wants to go for his walk and his swim. You know, so he's really um, interacting with people in a in a really positive way because he enjoys everything that we do with him. He just loves life. Like he looks looks out and you know calls out mm-hmm. to you every every day you see him. Mm-hmm. And um, he went from the last trainer I think gave him maybe eight or nine starts for didn't even have a place with him. He um, didn't miss a um, a place his first eight starts for me. So wow. he just jumped, jumped out of the ground and, and pins his ears back and he just tries his best, um, which is all you can ask of him. 
he pins his ears back and tries his best and fights for the line for you because you ask him to do it. And, you know, he really wants to, to please people now. And uh-huh. I think that's all you can ask of a horse. That's absolutely, I'm like, I'm grinning ear to ear because I, I can just hear the emotion out of that. And like, you mean, it, you really saw oh, that transformation yeah. in the horse. That's amazing. And I, I have to ask too, um, did you, you know, in America, we hear like some horses just don't have their heart in it. They're just not race horses. Yep. Do you find yep. that yep. this method can almost make, I don't want to say make, but kind of show them heart, that they yeah. can be winners. Yeah. That's get them inspired. Yes. Yes, yeah, for sure. And and just in general, uh, I think it's a, it's a bit happier. You can just get a little bit more work into them and a little bit more feed and a little bit more everything. You get that extra 10% out of them. And then that extra 10%, when it comes to the, you know, they say they're having a competitive gallop, if they're going 10% better, their confidence is going to be, um, you know, that little bit extra. And then, you know, come to the racetrack, they think, you know, we can do this. And they push through that little pain barrier that everyone has. And that pain barrier, everyone has it when you go for a jog. You know, a motivated person, you get to that hill and a motivated person is going to push themselves to the top of the hill and someone that's not quite motivated is going to stop and walk. So if you can, you know, train them to be motivated, it, um, it definitely helps in the, in the, um, in the uh, end game when they're, when they're racing. That's absolutely beautiful. I mean, I want to cry. Like, cause this is like what I want to see here. <laughs> this is what I want to inspire in America that, that this is possible to do in alternative ways and still and- get results. Well, and that's what's yeah. kind of the interesting question next is how can you put this out there? How can you change uh, the world with what you're doing? Because well, obviously it's world. making a difference. Come on, not think big. Put any pressure or weight on your shoulders, of course. No pressure, just change the world. Um, <laughs> look, I just, I just think you put it out there and, and you know, if, if people want to sort of maybe branch away from the, the, the stereotypical way of doing things, then, then maybe they will. I'm just hoping that I can keep doing what I'm doing and get results. And, um, you know, it's a, it's a results-driven um, industry we're in. So if people can see that I'm getting results with quite uh, cheap, broken yeah. broken down horses, I think maybe people might, you know, start doing it with their horses that are more expensive and, and younger and, you know, teach them the right way from the very beginning. So hopefully people just sort of, yeah, sort of want to make a change and um, get a little bit more out of their horse. Well, yeah. make sure you keep letting everybody know what you're doing and keep these pictures going viral and these videos up on the internet. And and thank you. My gosh, this is so cool. I'm so inspired. Oh, it's good. I'm glad you're um, I'm glad you like what we do. And yeah, we'll keep doing it. But, um, you know, we're only a small stable and we can only do what we're doing. It's sort of up to everyone else to, to do their bit as well, I guess. And, um, you know, it just um, it just makes the horses a lot a lot more tractable later in life as well. Like we find homes for our horses very easily just due to the fact that you know they all float well, they all are kind to ride, and you know things like that makes it a lot easier for their transition later in life as well. I think that's probably the most important part of it all. I mean, that's what our entire podcast is about: is helping these horses transition and find their second careers in their home. So. Travis, I just want to thank you so much for everything you're doing and the video that went out of your work. I think you're just bringing some fresh, innovative ideas to the field. And um, I think this is also a, a way for the person who doesn't have, you know, millions of dollars to invest in a bunch of horses right away to kind of get into the game and do it on their own with just a couple of horses in their barn. And I think that's really yeah. inspirational as well. Yeah. And I, to be to be honest, I, I don't actually um, necessarily agree with what you said that it's fresh 
and innovative, I'd think that people have been having horses out in open fields and, and riding them through the forest for thousands of years. It's, it's the last 200 years that we've, you know, really sort of wrecked it and, and changed yep. everything. It's, um, you know, we've gone to this money-driven um, thing where we've got them all in boxes so staff can rip through them really quick and get them all done and get them ridden and all that sort of side of things. It's it's just the money that's changed um, the way we do things in the last, you know, 150, 200 years. It's, it's um, you know, really taken away from the actual horse itself. Travis, thank you again for coming on and for providing this with us. Where can people um, continue to follow and learn from you? Um, I've got a, a Facebook page, Travis Dale Racing, um, which I think you'll find that video on there. Um, and um, I've got a website, TravisDaleRacing.com. And, um, yeah, that's about it. I'll, I'll post a few things on there every now and again. So <laughs> if anyone ever wants to sort of flick a message through and ask any questions or anything like that, they feel free to get involved. I'm more than happy to talk to people and help out. Well, I want to thank a sponsor of ours, Smooth Stride Jeans. If y'all haven't tried a pair of Smooth Stride yet, what are you waiting for? These are jeans that are designed by an event rider. She's a chick who, you know, has exercised at the racetrack and she's an eventer. She rode in Rolex for crying out loud. And she also currently owns an off the track thoroughbred and she lives on the West coast. And she basically was tired of changing in and out of her breeches and boots for the kind of labor and moving jumps and you know, all that thing. And then she went looking for Western riding jeans and there were no boot cut seamless riding jeans on the market. And so that's what she invented. It's a jean that has no seam on the inner thigh. How irritating is it when you hop on in your jeans to go ride and you've got the seams on the inside in the uncomfortable places. So she has invented a jean that does not have that. They have, she even has full seat ones, knee patch ones, and just plain jeans. And I wear them all the time, honestly, for gosh, it, Anything, groundwork, teaching, training, anything I do, I wear my smooth stride jeans. So Desiree is an amazing person. She's an amazing creator, and we are really proud to have her as a sponsor on Retired Racehorse Radio because coming from her, she is a thoroughbred owner and rider, and she knows what she's talking about. So basically what you can do is you can go to smoothstride.com, check them out. They have this really awesome cell phone pocket on the thigh. So not on your butt where they fall out is on the top of your thigh. So no matter what discipline you do, you need a pair of these jeans in your closet. Although it won't stay there long because you'll wear it all the time. Smoothstride.com. Well, we have Lindsay Partridge, who is the owner of Partridge Horse Hill, the founder of Harmony Horsemanship, president of the Natural Horsemanship Association. She's a nurse and she's about to be a mama. She was the winner in 2015 and 2016 of the Thoroughbred Makeover. And she's also just total badass chick. So please welcome Lindsay Partridge. Thanks for having me. It's great to be here. I love the Thoroughbred Makeover and I love Thoroughbred. So I definitely am happy to chat with you guys about them. Now, I think I heard you're in try on with a couple of them. I am. So I've got my two thoroughbreds on their first big long haul journey. So I've got two horses for this year's makeover. I've got Fairly and Bling. So Fairly is my little three-year-old or soon to be three-year-old. And then Bling, I think she's six. And so we're in North Carolina right now. And we just came from New York. 
And one of the things that I like to do with my horses to get them ready for Kentucky is to just bring them with me places. So we're not necessarily, like we're not competing. We're not really doing anything on this journey. I'm teaching um, some people down here and then I just kind of hang out with them and do different things afterwards. It kind of lets them know, Hey, just because we go on a long drive doesn't mean you're getting sold or going to an auction or going to race or anything like that. You're just, you're just going to come home with me and it's fine. This is, this is what we do. We just travel. Well, that will lead us perfectly into our trainer tip, which we'll get to, but, um, let me get this straight. Aren't you like 11 months pregnant now? (laughs) (laughs) I am like five and a bit months pregnant now. Okay. So my due date is July 21st, which, um, a lot of people have told me I'm crazy that I'm going to compete in the makeover, which is only... I think it's like nine weeks or something like that after my due date. So I don't really know how it's going to go. I'm praying that I have a good delivery and that I heal well. And otherwise there are some really nice drugs on the market that I can use to kind of help help, (laughs) uh, knock out the pain and get me there. Um, But yeah, I don't really, I don't know how it's going to go. So I've only recently started riding my horses because I did a ton of groundwork, which I, that's Arwen in the background. (laughs) I do a ton of groundwork anyways, but I didn't start riding them until very recently. And I'm just doing like walking. I'm just like getting on, practicing, getting on, getting off, walking the obstacles, like very slow stuff. So it'll be a really interesting year for me because I'm not doing things the way I've done in the past years per se. Um, I don't know. We'll we'll see how it goes. (laughs) Well, good for you. You know, listen to your body. I rode until I was eight months pregnant, so I get it. You just, sometimes it, it's just more about doing it for yourself. You know, I, I, here's the truth, Lindsay, I rode till I was eight months pregnant. Okay. And I rode until mm-hmm. I dismounted because, and I'm on my off the track thoroughbred at the time. And he, he was calmer when I was pregnant than he was when I was not pregnant. So I was able to keep riding him and I dismounted and I broke my foot getting off oh, my, my horse. Oh my goodness. Like what a fat monster whale I was like, poor horse. <laughs> my God, I broke oh. my foot getting off. Like that's ridiculous. So anyway, that's a, you- <laughs> that's a good warning tip. Cause like, I don't want that to happen. Maybe I'll start going back to the mounting block and getting off on the mounting block. I still have to dismount. It. Yeah. I still have to dismount on the mounting block. That is definitely a, a tip I would give you. Cause you're just so used to like flinging yourself off and then you're 40 pounds heavier and So tell us about your two horses that you are taking to the makeover this year and what you're gearing them towards. Yeah. So this year I have my little three-year-old Fairly, uh, or she's coming three. And she actually had a broken pastern coming off of the track. This is my first time taking a horse that had a broken bone. I've never done that before, but I got her from the new start after and after the races um, program. So they had already done a lot of her rehab already. And when my vet looked at the x-ray, she said, you know what, it's healing really well. And if you continue her rehab, she should be fine and no limitations. So I picked her up from Maryland. I think it was, I got her from and brought her home and she continued on her rehab, which was just kind of like small pen turnout and lots of hand walking and not allowed to do anything more than a trot which is a bit different for me because I do a lot of Liberty work with no tools, but I couldn't take the risk that she was going to canter around in the arena. Mm -hmm. So I had to keep her on a line. 
And so she, now that she's fully healed and her limitations have been totally lifted and she's fine, I've discovered that she is ridiculously athletic. Like she is something else. I kind of have high hopes for this horse that she's going to be my next trivia time. She is just phenomenal. She can swap weeds on a dime when she's just running around and do rollbacks and stuff just for fun. So I'm thinking I might do ranch for her because that's where those weed changes and those rollbacks could play to her natural advantage. And I would love to jump her, but because she's three, I don't think I'll do any of that with her. And instead, I have no idea. I might do freestyle with her, but I also don't know if I'm going to have time to train bridalist before the makeover because I'll be ridiculously pregnant and then have a baby. <laughs> um, so we'll, we'll see how that goes. Even though I'm riding them now at the walk, I'm not really sure that I want to take my bridal off and risk that while I'm pregnant. Uh, so we'll, yeah. we'll see. I have no idea. And then my other one, Bling, she is klutzy and not very coordinated, but she's very naturally um, more brave to the obstacles. She doesn't take as long to train for them, other than the fact that she's klutzy and she'll fall off of them, but she's very confident stepping up onto them. So she's probably going to be the one that I do trail with and probably field hunter. Um, but we'll, we'll kind of, we'll see how that goes. Right now, she doesn't really know how to jump. She kind of like scrambles. <laughs> so, uh, but she's learning on a line. So yeah, she's getting to figure it out on her own. So some of the ranch work, I'm, I'm, I'm new to the, to the, you know, to the makeover world and also to the Western thoroughbred world. Talk about, uh, horses. Cause when you think thoroughbred, you don't think Western, but the thoroughbred makeover is changing that. How is that for you? Yeah. So for me, I love the thoroughbreds because they're just so versatile and I actually do extreme cowboy racing, which they're, they're pretty great at because they can sprint and you have to sprint between the obstacles so long as you teach them how to do the obstacles and how to calm down in between um it, it works quite well actually my horse trivia time that was my 2016 champion at the makeover she finished uh, <laughs> it's funny we did the versatility challenge at equine affair in massachusetts and it's all these like it's mostly they have all breeds but it's mostly these western quarter horses with you know the spurs and the shank bits and the whole nine yards, like that whole kind of cowboy look. And here I am. I actually wrote English in the challenge because it was easier on my belly. And so, uh, I did it English, but I had my thoroughbred and she ended up being reserve champion in the versatility challenge because mm -hmm. she was just, you know, so good with all the obstacles. So they're actually really, really handy. And if you're going to buy one for the obstacles, I recommend getting one that's more compact in their build not too long in their back just because it's easier for them on the bridges and stuff like that. If they're not, uh, too strong out or not mm -hmm. too long in their body. Mm -hmm. Uh, but they're pretty good with that. And I actually have a student, my student Franny, who actually won trail. She won trail with my horse in 2017, I think it was. So she's competing this year as well. And she's going to do barrel racing with her horse because, uh, her horse was always like, if you watch her race videos, she was always the first one out of the gate and she held the lead for like the first, I don't know, like the first quarter of the race. She would always mm -hmm. hold the lead and then she'd always get beaten, but it's perfect for bail racing that she can sprint like that and get up to high speeds. 
So she's just started working the pattern with her horse and teaching it the flying lead changes for the turns and stuff. And, um, you know, why not? They're so athletic, they're bred to run. And if you got one, that's a good sprinter, then barrel racing is going to be fun for her, I think, to try. And there's no reason why they can't do ranch or anything else. They're, they're just as capable, but I kind of think it's like any breed of horse where, you know, not every thoroughbred is going to be great at the Western discipline. Some of them are going to be better at jumping. Some of them are going to be better at, you know, trails or obstacles or that's why I love the makeover is you have all 10 disciplines there and you can try something that you've never tried before if you want to. Right. Mm -hmm. I I mean, I completely agree. And when you get a horse like a thoroughbred for something like the makeover, you know, they tell you what they're going to want to do. Just, I posted a video of me riding my little makeover because I'm competing this year as well, riding my little makeover horse. And somebody sent me a message. One of the girls who competed uh, last year in Western, she's like, Oh my God, your horse is totally going to be perfect for ranch work. And I was like, what? Um, I'm an inventor. <laughs> and <Cool. laughs> she's like, no, look at him. The, the, the kind of naturally slow way his legs go and all this. I'm like, I never even thought about that, but maybe that is something that he would want to do. I'd have to learn it more than he would probably. Yeah. Well, it's like the, the first year I did field hunter, I'd never done field hunter in my life before. And I did that in 2016. I think it was with my horse Pentland for the first time. And that's the really neat thing about participating in the makeover is, you know, why not try it? So we did trail, which we all know that I know how to train for trail. And so we did that. But then I also got to do field hunter for the first time. And that was a riot. That was so much fun learning about it and trying it and, and doing something completely different and new. So, and then I got hooked. So then I did it, you know, the next year and I plan to do it again this year. Well, talk to us a little bit about Harmony Horsemanship before we get to the training tip. Uh, Harmony Horsemanship is your brand of horsemanship and my co-host Joy here. Hello, Joy. Sorry, I've been talking too much. Um, She (laughs) is a student of yours through one of your certified instructors. So that's awesome. That's fantastic. So yeah, Harmony Horsemanship. Uh, I founded it. I don't like to think of it as mine. That's why I called it Harmony Horsemanship and not like Lindsay Partridge Horsemanship. But um, it's it's kind of, it's very different than a lot of other training programs that are out there because we use a lot of positive reinforcement, but we still use some negative re- reinforcement, like some pressure and release. But what makes us a lot different is we put a calm connection first before everything else. So we have these calm connection exercises that we learn that's basically just you and your horse moving together. So it's not about somebody shoving the other one around or, you know, saying who's boss or even really trying to teach your horse anything. It's just about learning to be relaxed and calm in each other's presence. So we start with that calm connection and then we learn how to create a yes horse with the positive reinforcement and kind of doing easy wins and easy tasks and teaching our horses their ABCs, which are the eight possible things they can do like forwards and backwards and, sideways and all that kind of stuff and then once they know their abcs then you just kind of put it together but we do a lot of positive reinforcement with a little bit of negative reinforcement and the combination is you have a horse that learns really really fast but they're also calm Mm so i mean have this saying of understand yourself your horse and the language that connects you so it's not always like do this to your horse do that to your horse there's also a base on 
understanding your own energy and how that factors into what you're asking your horse to do and all sorts of pieces like that, which kind of leads nicely into a training tip for if you're going to do the makeover. I see a lot of people making posts about like, oh, look at my horse. It's starting to, I don't know, go on the bid and put their head down and stretch. And all those things are awesome, but don't devalue just your horse being able to stand and be calm in your presence while other stuff is going around. Because when you get to the makeover, it's busy and they're going to see stuff that they haven't seen. Sometimes like last year, we, they had a, a carriage competition going on at the same time. So there would be cart horses going by and other arenas and other sections of the park and stuff like that can really throw your horse for a loop. And you might be amazing at home or even on your own show turf when your horse is used to just seeing, you know, event horses or whatever it is that you compete in. But then when you go to something different and they're exposed to all this other stuff, it can really mess with their heads and it can really make or break your performance. But if your horse has learned to be calm in your presence and trust you, you know, then you don't have to worry about that stuff. You can go, you have this saying of, if you have a calm connection, you can go anywhere. That's why I do all those crazy videos of taking my horse into a hotel or Liberty downtown, New York city, or those various things that I do to just kind of show people like you, you really don't have to worry if you put that first. And so that's what I do with my horses is I don't worry about, you know, putting them on contact or anything like that first. I just first worry about, Hey, can you just be with me mm-hmm. and be calm with me? Mm-hmm. And then all the other pieces fall into place so much easier later. Well, all right. Well, speaking of training tips, uh, I, I see on the Facebook page, people talking about and posting hashtag field trip Friday. What are some things that you would make recommendations for somebody who's taking their off the track thoroughbred somewhere new for the first time? Yeah, so there's a lot of things that you can do, and I do a lot of things at home to prep my horses to make sure they know that I am the answer to their scary problems and that they can look for me. I actually wrote a four-part series called Building Confidence. It's a free uh, set of four articles that people can check out on harmonyhorsemanship.ca because I talk about how there's different types of confidence that you have to get your horse used to. Like, for example, you can't just presume because your horse walks over a bridge that they're going to be okay with like loud noises, for example, like there are two different types of confidence. And I talk about the different games of confidence. And so the biggest tip there that I'll give you guys is everybody knows touch it game, which is where you get your horse to go look at things and touch it, but it's not practical for most examples. So we were talking about how at the makeover, you might see a horse with a cart and buggy you can't, you can't just ride up to every cart and buggy and let your horse touch it. Like they're training, they're moving around. You can't do that. Or if you're riding on the trail and birds fly out of the bushes, you can't, you can't, I mean, that would be really funny if you tried to play touch a game with the birds. I'd like to see hmm. you post that on YouTube. Um, but it's not going to work that well. It's not practical. So I encourage people to play a different game, which is called the all around game. And the all around game is where you don't let your horse look and you don't let your horse touch and you reward them for not looking and not touching. You're basically saying to your horse, hey, I understand that that bothers you over there, but just trust me for a second. Don't look at it. Don't touch it. And then that way you build your horse up for the unexpected. And then it kind of gets to the point where your horse ends up thinking like, 
oh, that plastic bag that you got to roll through the field. That was a really good one, Mom. You totally put that there. Did I pass the test? Did I pass the all-around game? Did I get my cookie? And they kind of see things as opportunities to earn, and they think they're all part of the game and that you, you planted them all rather than being things to be scared of that you have to go check out every individual little thing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. So you can find that on lindsaypartridge.com. Is it what in the... Uh... In the blog section or on your website? Yeah, I have a blog section there that has a bunch of different articles. And um, I only just updated that website. It's a brand new look. So if you're checking it out, let me know what you think of it. Um, but I'm getting more and more articles added to it. Well, great. Where can people find you, follow you, contact you? lindsaypartridge.ca uh, or .com, I think, is uh, one, of the, uh, one, of your blo- one of your websites. Yeah. My website is lindsaypartridge.com if you want to check me out. And then Harmony Horsemanship is harmonyhorsemanship.ca. And on Facebook or Instagram, if you use the at Lindsay, L-I-N-D-S-E-Y-P-H-H, that's how you can find me there and keep up to all my random shenanigans that I'm up to. Mm-hmm. Uh, we just finished filming a Corgi movie. And uh, now I'm in North Carolina. And then I'll be going to Wisconsin next month for the Mustang Challenge. My gosh, you are a busy, busy woman. Well, thank you so much for taking some time out and talking to us about your horses and the makeover, and we will see you in October. Sounds good. We'll see you then. Thanks so much for having me on. And now it's time for the New Vocations Winner's Circle Adoptable Horse of the Week. Well, welcome back, Leandra. We're so excited to have you on to talk about another Winner's Circle Adoptable Horse of the Week from New Vocations. Tell us what special horse we have today. Today, we have Emotional Hedge, a horse that we fondly call Foxy in the barn. And she certainly is just that Foxy, but in all the best possible ways. And I'll be the first one to tell you, when this horse came in, she wasn't one that initially caught my eye. They all have things that we love about them and they develop their personalities and whatnot. But this horse I have become particularly fond of as she's developed because as she has developed in her saddle, she has really begun to shine and we genuinely cannot wait to see what she does in the future. So she's unraced. She came without any any history of soundness issues on the track other than a slightly negative palmer angle and with a little bit of corrective shoeing. She has been perfectly sound in training. She's actually just in plain steel shoes now, and we don't have any issues whatsoever with her. It was really slight anyway. Wait, really are you telling me adjustment. are you telling me that racehorses have angle issues? What? That's crazy. <laughs> they are not immune to angle issues. This is true. <laughs> Says but the girl who has like one. they all have like different one foot on a high heel, one foot on low. You know what? It's just <laughs> yeah, you just gotta like that's just management for any horse. Yeah. Right. And you can imagine that on the track, angle issues only become more important because of the concussion that they'll go through, through the high speeds. So just bringing her into this environment, being able to tweak some things a little bit with angles have had absolutely no issues with her here. And she has shown us how outstanding she can be under saddle. 
So my assistant trainer describes her as both spicy and sweet, but what we mean by that is that she really is all business under saddle. She's a go-getter. You could imagine her as kind of like the lady who's climbing the social ladder in the corporate world and just ready to tackle the world. But she's still sweet in that she loves to be loved on. She enjoys getting hugs and being scratched, and she loves that attention and the one-on-one. Under saddle, though, she shows all those really outstanding qualities, like I've said, those beautiful transitions, really great brain, enjoys challenges. We could see her in high-level work, and she can do it mentally and physically. Boy, can she do it. She has that balance and the coordination and that mental capacity to do just about anything. On top of that, if you look at her lineage, she has some really cool bloodlines. Her sire is Datalink, so he's got Warfront, Danzig, Pazinome, Northern Dancer, Rubiano, a lot of those neat bloodlines you wouldn't necessarily see as much, some of the older ones maybe, but I just thought having Datalink in there is so cool. But then even on her mom's side, her mom's sire is Scat Daddy. So, and then you have Johannesburg, I mean, Dixieland Band on the other side of that. You've just got such a stellar background. I mean, you see it all come together in such a neat package with her. So going back to what I said about when she came in, she just, she was a little bit nervous. She hadn't really shown everything that she had to handle. And she, you know, maybe somebody would say just because she's shy at 16 hands and say, oh, she's too small. But she actually takes up a good amount of leg. In the video, we have a five foot eight rider on her and she fits really nicely. So I just think you've got about nothing working against this mare and she could do anything. Well, I absolutely love her because she reminds me of my new vocations mare, who is a 15-3, like that pumpkin spice, fiery mm-hmm. chestnut mare. And I think she's absolutely stunning. And looking at her photo, she's got that eye that says, I know that I'm the best horse here. Yeah. Like she knows she's a good looking horse in those photos. And I love that about her. And this might surprise Jamie, but I honestly think she's built for eventing. She could be a really great sport horse. She's got the look of she could own a dressage arena, but if she's you know, looking at her endurance and based on her uh, description from you, it sounds like she's willing to just go and she wants See, to dominate. This is where we usually disagree on what the horse, but I mm-hmm. totally watch the videos and I'm like, oh my God, this is an event horse. Yeah. Without a doubt. 100%. She's an eventer. This and she also, own it. <laughs> fun, fun fact for you, she has the exact same facial marking as another very famous chestnut thoroughbred, Secretariat. She like has mm-hmm. the same facial marking mm-hmm. as Secretariat. So there you go. Every horse we've highlighted has since been adopted out. So this is it puts emotional hedge in a good place. But here's the thing. You know, when you get a horse off the racetrack, they need downtime. They need mm-hmm. a lot of attention. And they're also two to $5,000. So how much is emotional hedge going to set us back? We have emotional hedges, emotion or adoption fee. Emotional, emotional fee. fee. <laughs> Her adoption fee is $1,000. $1,000. And you get a horse that's already even got some training and some idea of what she's going to be good at. So that's fantastic. Horse and adoption. Unraced. Yeah, unraised too. 
horseadoption.com. Now, what I also want to talk to you guys about is we are going to be at the Land Rover Kentucky three-day event. Joy and I were going to do a show there, and um, my horse, my other radio show, Horses in the Morning, we're going to broadcast from there. Now, I've got Sarah on here. You guys are having a party, and everybody is invited. Tell us about it. Of course, they have to buy tickets, but yeah. <laughs> we are, we are, and we would absolutely welcome anybody who's at Land Rover to come out. We actually host this event the Friday night uh, of the last four years, and we call it our open barn and barbecue. And pretty much what we do is we throw open our barn doors. We invite anybody and everybody to come in, meet all of our horses, the ones who are up for adoption and those who are not on the website yet. Uh, they get to walk through, see kind of how we run things, tour our indoor arena, our outdoor arena. We have a big Southern style barbecue that's always absolutely delicious, courtesy of Bluegrass Catering. Um, and we do, we also have an open bar. This year, it is sponsored by Tito's Vodka, oh as well God. as Jackson Family Wines <laughs> and West Six Brewing. So we're super, super thankful for all of the community support that we get from there. And now, we, since we have actually finished the indoor arena, it's only been finished for two of the years that we've done this, we actually host a demonstration. This year, it's going to be Nick Larkin. He's an international event rider based here in the Bluegrass. He actually won when Rolex, the first year that Rolex, when it was still called Rolex, was a four-star. He was the winner of that year. That's and he also has won the trainer. Adelaide. That's my former yeah. trainer. So this will be exciting. He's an ama- yeah. Awesome. yeah. When I lived in Lexington, he, he used to come down to Atlanta uh, and teach at one barn inside there. And then I moved up to Kentucky and he helped me with some horses there. Yeah. I mean, the guy's done it all. And um, I mean, including tr- your trivia is always who won the first four star Nick Larkin and his horse with the very fancy name of red. Yes, <laughs> I love that. That horse sounds like such a cool dude. Yeah. But Nick has been just, he's just lovely and he's such a proponent of the thoroughbreds. We really want people to come in and eat and drink and mingle and meet our horses and listen to the band. And then we welcome everybody into the indoor for an hour long demonstration. Uh, we have usually four to five of our adoptable horses in hand and very similar to just what you guys were talking about. We invite Nick to kind of speak about how the horses are built, what he envisions them doing career-wise. We also have a vet from Haggard there who will speak to any injuries the horse has had, if they're limiting or not limiting, that kind of thing. And then we'll have three to four horses go under saddle and Nick will kind of give, I don't necessarily want to say a mini lesson, but he'll talk about each horse individually and what he sees and if he were riding them, how he would proceed with their training. So it's it's a super fun night. We know that everybody's worn out from being at Land Rover all day and excited for cross country, but we it's from 5:30 to 8:30 on that Friday night, and we do it at that time specifically so that people have time to finish watching the dressage and then drive the seven miles over to our farm. Well, we're going to do a meetup there. We are going to be hanging out at the event. Uh, All of us, my producer, Glenn, will be there and Joy and I will be there. So come hang out, get some, oh my God, open bar. And there's horses to adopt. food, bar. I mean, it's everything any horse girl wants. Yeah. Drag your husband, (laughs) bring your trailer so you can make sure you adopt the horse that you want while you're there. It's going to be a great time. Yeah, this is this is too it's dangerous. How I, let's be honest here. You've had this party 3 years. How many times have all the horses been adopted that you've 
shown. I mean, it, it's got to be a huge spike in adoptions Rolex weekend or Land Rover weekend. That is. We do in our applications, we usually do see a big uptick, uptick the following Monday. Usually when people get back in front of their computers, they start sending <laughs> in their adoption applications. <laughs> oh, that's great. Okay, that's good. Amazing. Well, get smart. Do it ahead of time. Go to yeah, horse make sure that you exactly. have a, an approved <laughs> application on file, so then you can use it as your as your interview with the horse. <laughs> I mean, come on, what are we waiting for? Horseadoption.com. Where can people go and get tickets to this event? Right on our website, so newvocations.org or horseadoption.com, whichever one you remember best. Go into the tab that says events, then on that drop down menu, click 2019 open barn and barbecue and you can get your tickets right there open bar barn and barbecue watch out is on all right well thank you guys so much and uh give emotional hedge a cookie from us will do thank you you can find our show notes and links to today's guests on the website at retiredracehorseradio.com like us on facebook and instagram just search for retired racehorse radio follow us on twitter at horse radio you can email Jamie at jamie at horseradionetwork.com. You can follow Joy on Instagram at joyhequestrian or email at joy at horseradionetwork.com. Thanks to our sponsors, Kentucky Performance Products, Riding Warehouse, and Smooth Stride Jeans. And don't forget to check out all the other shows at the Horse Radio Network oh, like at horseradionetwork.com. Like horses in the morning. That's a, <laughs> I heard that's a good one. Check that out. <laughs> yes, that's a great one. Don't Horse forget free. to... Horseradionetwork.com. Sorry. <laughs> Don't forget to learn and love from every ride. And spay, neuter, and geld. Oh.